Thanks for listening to the Church in the City podcast. Subscribe on iTunes and follow at Church in the City. It's a privilege. It really is a privilege. We never want to take it for granted in any form or any shape. Amen. It's a privilege to be a follower of Jesus. If he did not intervene in my life, I would not be standing here. If he did not touch my life the way he did, I would still not be married to that lady just because of where I was going. If he did not take hold of me, my son wouldn't be leading a church today. Think about the ramifications of when he touches your life. Not only for you, but it just extends this way. Amen. The goodness of God knows no bounds, people. He's a great, great God. He really is. Just a short little test to me. My oldest grandson, Michael, just after he was born, and forgive me for the details, my wife, when I get home, will say, but Ken, it was this detail and that detail I'm trying to get. He, uh, they found out, Clayton and my son Clayton and his wife Jen found out that he was very, very allergic to dairy and to nuts, peanuts, etc. Extremely allergic. To such a degree that they had to carry an EpiPen around. Because he had one or two episodes where he literally just touched cheese, just touched it. And he went into the shock. And they had to give him an EpiPen and rush him off to the ER and that. So obviously they did the tests and he was very high and all this. And uh, he's now, how old is he now? Four and a half. At the beginning of the year, um, and you know you've got to adapt your life. Clayton and Jen had to adapt their life when he came and slept over at us. We have an EpiPen in our house. We actually have two. Just you've got to be ready. That's, you never know what can happen. And at the beginning of the year, the church decided to have a 21-day prayer and fast. And one of the things Clayton and Jen trusted God for was the healing of their son. That's all. It was part of the whole prayer and fast, amongst other things. Anyway, a couple of months go by. The prayer and fast comes and goes. And um, uh, Clay and Jen were ministering somewhere. Jen was at a ladies' meeting. Clay was probably in his office trying to find the Lord. Good thing to do. And... (laughs) And uh, somebody was babysitting Michael, and by accident, he picked up a, a muffin, and he ate half the muffin, and that was full of dairy stuff and some eggs and whatever the case is. And when he ate it and swallowed it, the person that was babysitting realized what had happened. So it got a hold of Jen, and Jen, obviously being the mother, thought, I've got to get there because anything can happen now. But she was like half an hour away, and she couldn't get older Clayton, because he was probably by that time in the seventh heaven, and whatever the case is, and she's phoning him, and she's rushing home, and you can imagine the panic on her heart, and eventually she got hold of Clayton, and he rushed home, and there was Michael, what are you doing, mom and dad, and he's playing, and whatever the case is. That night when he went to bed, they had turns watching him, so that while he sleeps, his throat doesn't close up, because that's what happens, and he can't breathe, and... You know, so they had turns watching him, and the next morning he was fine and whatever. Anyway, they then got the results back from the allergist they had just been to two months previous, four months after the pre and fast. And the allergist said, I don't understand it. In all my years, I've never seen this. He was there, and now he's down here on his allergy. It looks like, then she said this she said, Somebody's been praying because this is a miracle. 
God literally has healed him of the allergy of milk and stuff. Now they've slowly got to introduce it to his system, and that's what they're doing. But God healed him. Hallelujah. I don't know when, but it happened. So never give up, eh? Amen. Yeah, it's a privilege to be here. It really is. I must congratulate you as a church. I really must congratulate you as a church. You do something exceedingly well. You're very good at it. You know how to produce a lot of kids. <laughs> there are thousands of them, I trust. Well done. <laughs> Go forth and multiply. You are definitely obedient to that. All right. <laughs> oh, well, wonderful. It's wonderful to see. I have a couple of words for some people. We'll do that later. But I believe I have a word for you as a church. And the word goes along something like this. I really believe like you people see yourselves as church in the city, which you are. But I feel the Father would say to you, no, I see you not only as church in the city, but I see you as this light in darkness. I see you as a light that's ever expanding and shining into the darkness. I see that through you the kingdom come in. It's like I saw plane fly over in the dark and there was this light in darkness. And as the Lord says, I see you from this side. You see it from this side, I see it from this side. And I felt the Lord say, prepare, 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 because I'm calling many sons and daughters that will come to you. I'm calling the sons and daughters from the north, the south, and the east, and the west. Therefore, I feel the Lord would say, prepare, prepare. And the Jordan that is before you, that you don't know how to get past, I will dry the Jordan up. And you'll go back and say, how did that happen? And the Lord will say, that was me because of what I have for you and because of where you're going. Just as Jehoshaphat sent out the worshippers and they routed the army and the army was routed and my people had a victory. So as you continue to look to me, as you continue to worship me, I will rout the enemy that is coming against you. And you will see amazing victories. You'll see amazing victories in your families. You'll see amazing victories in your life. And you'll see amazing victories in the city. For I feel the Lord would say to you, for I am with you. I am with you. And just because you've been faithful with many, you have had your hands open. And I felt like the Lord said, I've watched over you, just as I watched over Abram. And I asked Abram to sacrifice his son. And I said, Abram, I can see you're a man that will do what I asked you to do. And as you've held your hand open and allowed people to be released, and if you allowed, you haven't held on to what's come your way, now I know I can trust you and put much in your hand. And the Lord says, that season is coming where I'm going to put much in your hand. Much in your hand. That's what I feel the Lord has for you as a church, whatever all that means. The Jordan before you will dry up. Your Jordans before you will dry up. And you will cross over. And you'll say, Lord, how did this happen? And the Lord will say, because I did it, and people will know that I did it. Because I am with you. I am with you. And many are coming to eat from your table. Many are coming to taste the feast that I put amongst you. Many are coming to have their lives changed. Prepare, prepare, prepare. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 1, please.
Don't ask me what all that means, but that's what I felt. This is an amazing book, Colossians. Well, the Bible is an amazing book. <laughs> but um, I want to read some portion out of Colossians. Um, um, I really wrestled with what message to bring this morning, and I'm praying what I bring is just something of what God wants to share with you this morning. I don't like to just bring a sermon just because or whatever. I, I honestly, honestly, you can ask my wife, honestly. I say, God, how can I stand alongside these people and bring a message that would encourage, help, and strengthen these people. Amen. So sometimes it's all over the show, but it's just, I'm just trying to deliver that. This book, if you go to the book of Colossians, and uh, this is an amazing book, as I said, and um, I want to highlight a particular text out of here, but before I do that, I just want to give you a background to the book of Colossians, because it's very, you need to understand the background. Very briefly, this church was not started by Paul. Paul did not start this church. He started many others, or he had a hand in starting many others, but not this one. When Paul was in Ephesus, about 20 years after Pentecost, he was preaching there for two and a half years in Ephesus, and there was a man called Epaphroditus, or Epaphras, that listened to Paul, and you can actually go read it. You can read it. Um, I can show you all the scriptures. I just don't have time. He got saved. Paul then got put in prison. And Epaphras was a man from this city, Colossia. He went back to Colossia, and because of what God in his life, he started a church in a man's house called Philemon. You know the book in the Bible called Philemon? That's where the church met, in that man's house. Amen. He was a wealthy man, but he had opened up his home and opened up his resources. Because if you read the book of Philemon, Paul encourages him and thanks him for the way he's blessed people and uh, uh, um, refreshed their hearts by just his generosity by what he did. He actually commends him for that. So now Epaphras comes back to Paul and visits him in prison five or six years later after this church and he tells Paul all that has happened and all that is going on and whatever. So Paul writes this letter and the letter of Ephesians and Philemon, those three together. And he sends them together. It's important. And he says, take this, church, this letter and read it to your church. Take this letter and send it to the church of Ephesians. And take this letter and give it to Philemon. All inspired by the Holy Spirit. You with me? This letter of Colossians is the supremacy of Christ. Paul could have written about anything. He could have written about gifts. He could have written about whatever. But he wrote about, it's the only book in the Bible that just literally focuses on the supremacy of Jesus Christ. That's what he focused on. Because he knew he is probably not going to visit it. He knew he probably won't get there. So that's his heart. And he says, everything you need is in Christ. That's what he's trying to pull through this letter. Because Epaphras had told him that some people had come into the church and unfortunately they were bringing some false teachings. They were bringing things like um, a combination of Greek philosophy and Jewish rituals, holy days. 
And so they were prescribing to some of the people in the church that there was a secret knowledge apart from Christ. And they were causing people to follow certain rituals and ways and worship of angels and denial of certain foods. So Paul writes this letter and he says, actually one of the scriptures he writes is, the reality is found in Christ. It's not in any day or ritual or food or this. It's in Christ. That's what this whole letter is. And the, one of the most beautiful descriptions of who Christ is, the supremacy of Christ is in Colossians 1 verse 15. That he's the image, you can read it with me, he's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven, on earth, visible, invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him for him. He is before all things. You can see he's going again. He's above all things. He's before all things. He was before all things. He rules over. And you can see the supremacy of who Christ is coming through. That's what he wants to massage into this church and say, forget your holy days. You're not sanctified or made holy or made right with God because of a special day. Please, people, even today, no one day is more holy than the next. Trust me, it's not. Sunday's not more holy than Saturday. We just happen to be together on a Sunday. Are you with me? It's in Christ. It's not in some ritual. It's not in some food we deny. It's not in any of that. That reality is found in Jesus Christ. Amen. It has to be, folk, because he's our all in all. It's not Jesus and something. It's Jesus Amen. He's before all things. In him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from among the dead. So that in everything he might have supremacy. I'll read it again. So that in everything. How many things? Everything. He might have supremacy. For God was pleased to have his fullness dwell in him. And through him to reconsult him all things. Whether things on earth or things in heaven. By making peace through his blood. Once you were alienated from God, you were enemies in your minds, shown or because or shown by your evil behavior, but now has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. Don't let the devil accuse you. Free. Read it, underline it. Free from accusation. Hallelujah. Amen. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, not moved from the hope that was held out to you, this is the gospel that you heard that has been proclaimed. Hallelujah. So he's, this is what he's trying to massage into these people. So this is the supremacy of Christ. And then the book of Ephesians is the expression of the supremacy of Christ through the church. And that whole book is about the church and who we are in Christ and the gathering of the church and in the church this and through the church the manifold wisdom will be made to principalities, powers, rulers. Think about that scripture. Through you, the person sitting next to you, the manifold wisdom of God, the many-sided glory manifold wisdom of God will be made known to all the principalities, the demonic rulers, powers and authorities through you. 
Amazing, eh? <laughs> that's what the Bible says. And we think, no, that's impossible. No, no, no. Why? Because what I'm getting to is because Christ is in you, the hope of glory. Amen. That's why. You with me? And then he writes to Philemon because it impacts. So it's supremacy of the gospel expressed, this supremacy expressed through the church and every sided facet of the church, your children's church, the people, the businesses, whoever is in the church. The church is a called out one, not this building. We know that. Amen. But it touches individual lives. So he writes a book to Philemon, this businessman. Because Philemon had an employer that used to work for him called, I don't know how to pronounce his name, Oneumus. How do you pronounce that name? One, huh? Oneissimus. We'll just call him One, okay, because I can't (laughs) explain Oneissimus. All right. (laughs) And he stole money and he ran. Then when Paul was preaching in Ephesus, he heard Paul preaching. He got saved. Now he connects with Paul again, and Paul writes a letter back to Philemon and say, accept him back. Because he's now your brother in the Lord. He's more benefit to you now than he was before. And anything that he stole from you, I will pay you back. So that's the heart of Paul. He says, literally, Paul says to him, I could order you to do this, but I won't, because I want you to do it willingly. Because the church is meeting in this man's house. So he writes to this church, he writes to a person, because the gospel impacts personal lives. That's why. Amen. That's why it's key to understand the whole context of how this all came together. Amen. You're with me. So now, let's go to chapter 1, verse 24. Now rejoice in what was suffered for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's affliction for the sake of his body, which is the church. I have become its servant by the commission of Christ, of God gave me, to present to you the word of God in all its fullness. The mystery that was kept hidden for ages and generations. Folks, let me just stop there. There was a mystery there was a, it's not a mystery in terms of, of spooky weird. It was something that God was holding back, not revealing yet. Because there was a time and place that it needed to come. You with me? And he had held it back for generations, right through the Old Testament. Some people in the Old Testament had insight into it. They saw it, they had insight into it. Just glimpses of it. David, Abram, because the Bible says, Jesus said, Abram saw my day. In John, Abram saw my day. Isn't that amazing? Moses. So we see these glimpses, Isaiah. And he said, but it was kept hidden. It was shielded for a perfect time. The time in which we live now. And he kept it. Okay, kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the saints. So he's writing to Christians. He's writing to people that Know who they are in Christ. That's who's writing to. Amen? To them, that's you and me, them, the saints, Christians, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is what? Christ in you, the hope of glory. 
Hallelujah. You see, when you're in Christ, that makes, prepares you for heaven. But when Christ is in you, that prepares you for this earth. It's what it does, because Christ is in you. So, anyway, I think I've done this before, so forgive me. Hang on a minute. I've just got to get all this. You know, I'm not very good at this technology. But we get there. We're just a little slower than most others. But we get there. Hang on a minute. All right, so the day you got born again, that's what happened to you. That's what happened to you. Hallelujah. Christ in you, the hope of glory. A light is shining forth. There's a light inside you that everybody in the unseen realm can see and notice. We can't notice it, but they can. They see it. Because it's a spirit. It's come alive with the life of God. Born again. Hallelujah. New desires. New destiny, new destination, forgiven, redeemed, ransomed, paid for, bought with a price. You're mine. I rescued you from darkness, put you in light. You belong to me. You don't belong to the darkness. You're mine. I paid the price for you. Complete. Now I'm inside you. Now I'm living in you. So now I go to Walmart. Hallelujah. Now I'm going to Stephen Debbie's house, and it's very dark sometimes. Now I'm teasing. (laughs) But where's Jesus? He's there. Christ in you. Christ in you. Christ in you. Walking down the street. And the Lord says, you see that person over there who's suffering? Just, why don't you just encourage them? Not you, me in you, I'll encourage them. I just want to use your mouth, I want to use your hands, I want to use your eyes. I want to use your personality in that sense. Because I paid a price for you. Hallelujah. All right, Lord, how do you want me? No, just buy them a coffee, pray for them. All right, Lord. Hallelujah. Christ in you, the hope of glory, people. Doesn't go. I'm going to leave it there. Christ in you, the hope of glory. So what does that mean? What does that mean, Christ in you, the hope of glory? All right, well, I'm glad we're going to find out, uh, best as I know how. All right. Christ within you, amongst you, the hope of glory. That word hope means expectation, intense anticipation. It's like somebody who knows the bus is coming, you know it's coming, and you look like this or the train, because most of you must travel by train because of the traffic in this place. It's unbelievable. It takes you about 15 minutes to... <laughs> I told Matt yesterday, if I drove in this city, I'd lose my sanctification every day. <laughs> Not my salvation. <laughs> I commend you guys. I really do. It's like you're waiting for the train to come because you've got to get home. You want to see your kids and your family. You know it's coming. So there's no doubt that it's coming. And you keep looking like this. It's that anticipation. So it's that anticipation we walk around. It's literally, it's looking for something with outstretched neck and head high. It's like, so it's Lord, yes, yes, yes. I know you're going to do something. It's not a question of if, it's just how are you going to do it? When, 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 now, 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 Lord, okay, now, Lord. That's how he wants us to live our lives. It's not if, it's when. 
Lord, how? You want me to touch this person? Yeah, 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 yes, 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 okay. <laughs> Amen. It changes the way we live. We keep our eyes and ears open for opportunities. You don't have to manufacture them. Who's doing the work? Let me ask you a question. Christ in you. Christ in you. Christ in you. It's not me trying to do it. Because I can't heal anybody. Trust me, I can't. I tried. It doesn't work. They just got sicker. <laughs> I'm serious. You know you try because you, you're zealous for the things of God. You're zealous. And so you try. And then the Lord says, have you finished trying, Ken? Yes, Lord, I have. All right, let me do it. And so that's why the peace is so important, because it comes from that place of rest. That's Sabbath rest in him. I'm rested in him. Because he's going to work it through me. He's going to work it in me. He's going to work it out me. I can just go about my life. I can be the husband I'm called to be. I'll be faithful with my job, faithful with my family, faithful with what he's given me. But I'm always walking around like this. Yes, okay. Yes, yes, yes. Hope and glory. Yes. Yes, Lord, I know, I know, yes. Amen. I want to encourage you. The word glory, that word hope of glory, is from a word called doxa. There's four meanings of it. The first one is being honor, respect. It's like fame or recognition or approval. That's where Jesus said, my glory, my, my approval comes from my Father. He said that all the time. It's, I don't need approval from men. My approval, my glory comes from my Father in heaven. And he was secure in that. Amen. The next one that it means is future glory to be given. We're going to one day be in glory. Forever and ever and ever. Amen. The next one it means brightness, radiance, or shining forth. It's like when Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration, there was a brightness. It's like when Moses' face shone. There was a, the glory of God was radiating out of him. Amen. But this one, what literally what it means, this glory, literally, it's part of all of that, but it means inner greatness consists of splendorous and super spiritual qualities and the revealing and the manifestation of them. So you have these incredible, great, splendorous, super spiritual uh, uh, character and qualities and, and there's the revelation, the revealing, the manifestation of what's those, those incredible, glorious spiritual attributes of who you actually are beginning to shine forth out of you. That's the hope of glory. Amen. We view ourselves so differently to the way the Lord views us. So what is part of that? What is part of that that God wants to allow to come forth? That signs and wonders, yes, because that gives glory to him. Signs and wonders are just his calling card. God's in the house. Please don't focus on those. We want to work and walk in those. We want to be part of what is because that's part of the gospel. Are you with me? But it's literally more than that, folk. It's more than just the signs and wonders. Please, if we follow up the signs and wonders, we miss Jesus Christ. He's the giver of the signs and wonders. Set your heart on Jesus, not the signs and the wonders. Please, 
the signs and wonders will just flow out of it. I promise you, because he's Jesus Christ. All right. So, the glory is this. Remember when Moses said, I want to see your face. Show me your glory. And the Lord said, okay, I'll show you my glory. But you won't see my face. You'll just see me as I pass by. I'll put you in the cleft of the rock. You can go and read Exodus 33, 34. And I'll just pass by and allow you to see the back of me. Okay? You don't have to turn there. I'll quickly turn there. And this is what the Lord said. Where am I going? Exodus. Thank you. Well, I'm in Deuteronomy. That doesn't help. Genesis, Exodus, Ken. Thank you. Sorry, I should have had it ready. I should have written it down. I don't want to misquote it. That's all. Just a little slow. You see, that's Deborah for you. Yeah, Deborah Lee. Just a little slow. We get there. Okay. But I'm still going to heaven. Hallelujah. All right. (laughs) Might might be a little slower, but I'm getting there. (laughs) Then the Lord came down in the cloud. 34, 5, and stood there with them and proclaimed his name, the Lord. And he passed in front of Moses proclaiming, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining, maintaining, maintaining love to thousands Thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. That's the glory of God. So that's what's inside you. (laughs) Compassion. Abounding in love. Dispensing mercy upon mercy. But it's not you doing it, it's Christ in you that's doing it. So every time you forgive, you reveal the glory of God. Every time, the glory of God shines out of you. Because the world doesn't want to forgive. The world wants to hold something against people. David understands this principle. You go read it. He kept quoting that. Lord, you're slow to anger, bound in love. Right through the Psalms, four or five times. He understood it. He got it. So every time somebody hurts you, every time somebody speaks bad against you and you just willingly forgive, the glory shines out of you. And the principalities part, and they say, oh no, they weren't supposed to react that way. And you're manifesting the, the splendor of Christ to the spirit realm. Amen. Every time you show compassion, there was a man that taught me, I mean, grace. Man in names is Eldred Engelsman. What a gracious man. He just taught me grace, that man. Still alive today. He's one of the most gracious men I know. Just taught me grace. He was just so gracious with me. Thank the Lord for that. <laughs> he was. He was. I was too intense at times. Well, I suppose I am still at times. And I remember they, he asked us to do a little teaching for the church. It was me and him and somebody else. And uh, and uh, we each, he gave us a topic. It was on a Saturday morning. Um, and the other two folk had taught, and then I was to teach. And then when I taught, I finished. People literally came up to me and said, you know, yours was the better one of the three. 
I tell you, God will test your heart. Yeah, I tell you, boy. You want to take that? Don't. Don't. You've got to ward it off. You've got to ward it off. You with me? And when I told him about it, his answer to me and the way it dealt with me was so gracious. Taught me grace. Every time you dispense grace to somebody, the glory begins to shine out of you. That's because it's there. Every time you're faithful, faithful what's in your hand, faithful what he's giving you, faithful with the children's church, faithful with the coffee, faithful with this, every time you show forth faithfulness, the glory begins to shine out of you. See, we put it for so much more. And you know what happens? It increases. It abounds. This light, light just begins to show. And it begins to get through your personality. It begins to change the way you think. Because it's Christ in you, the hope of God. It's not Ken in Ken. Ken's dead. The old Ken. I'm telling you, he tries to resurrect. Trust me, he tries. Most days he tries to resurrect. I've got to say, no, listen, you're dead, Ken. Michelle and I have an argument. He really wants to resurrect. (laughs) And I've got to stand on him. No, down you go, eh? Down you go, eh? In the traffic, he resurrects all the time. I've got to keep (laughs) down, down, down down you go. (laughs) You, You understand what I'm talking about? That's why Paul keeps saying, put on this new nature. Put, clothe yourself with humility and compassion and gentleness. Take off the old clothes. Put on these new clothes. Because that's who you are in Christ. He's inside you. He's living inside you. He's not going anywhere, people. He decided to save you. He decided to reveal himself to you. Because he loves you and he trusts you. So he doesn't one day decide, oh, I'm not going to be part of this person's life. No, he's with you forever and ever. The day you got born again, he's with you for eternity. Hello, you with me? Amen. Slow to anger. Whenever we're slow to anger, we reveal his glory. We really do. Whenever we forgive, think of the most forgiving person you can think of. One of mine is Nelson Mandela. That man... What he went through, he just forgave. He saved South Africa, literally, in my opinion, from a bloodbath. Why? Because of his forgiveness. And the glory shone through him. I don't know if he was saved or not. It's not mine, it's not mine to judge. You with me? And because of his forgiveness, it changed things in the nation. That's how powerful forgiveness is. Maintaining love to thousands. Thousands, when we live for the nations, when we live for the nations and are prepared to go to nations, we reveal the glory of God. Amen. So whenever I forgive, the glory is revealed. Whenever I love my wife, the glory is revealed. Because I'm love. It's meant abounding in love. The glory is revealed. Whenever I allow my faith to become faithfulness, the glory is revealed. Whenever I display graciousness or whenever I'm very generous, when you're generous with what God has given you, you reveal it because God is generous. You reveal his glory. Amen. Stephen, when they martyred Stephen in the book of Acts, the glory of the Lord shone upon him. The glory of the Lord was in him, but then it really started to manifest. That's why his face just shone. 
What did he do? Forgive them, Father. That's what he said. They were killing him, stoning him. Forgive them, forgive them, forgive them. And his face started to radiate. Physically radiate. Amazing, eh? Folk, you don't have the capacity. You in yourself don't have the capacity to forgive. But Jesus in you has the capacity to forgive. That's the point. Just to allow him to do it through you. And reveal it through you. Amen. You with me? Christ in you. The hope of glory. Really want to encourage you. Why have I feel this for this church? The reason why I feel it is because of what God's going to do. Don't beat yourself up when you fall short. Don't walk out of here and all of a sudden you're not slow to anger. You just, something presses a button. Don't do that because then the devil will climb in. Just say, Lord, help me. I want your glory that is within me to begin to come out of me. Show me how to do that. Show me how to do that. Show me how to do that. Show me how to do it through this personality. Amen. Because he's inside you, folk. Live with the consciousness of Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's why you can watch certain things, albeit something, and then you just feel, mm, this is not so good. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And then I find that this neck becomes very spiritual, very spiritual, and these fingers become very spiritual. You know why? They've got to delete the TV or fast-forward it. Michelle and I, my daughter, how old was Natasha then? 16, 15. We were watching a program. But I've got the thing because you never know what's going to happen. Yeah, boy. And all of a sudden, this love scene came on. So now I'm trying to fast forward it, but I, I click it and it freezes <laughs> right in the act. And Natasha turns to me and says, Dad, what are you doing? <laughs> you understand? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Whatever. This becomes very, you see, you don't think these things are spiritual. They're very spiritual. And this thing, yeah, because why? It directs the eyes. <laughs> If you turn there, you can't see, yeah. They, the eyes want to see, then the next says, no, 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 look over there, look over there. <laughs> you understand? <laughs> Am I too real? <laughs> it's just a fact, eh? It's just a fact, eh? you know. And your wife knows how to push your buttons. Trust me. Your husband knows how to push the wife's buttons. And so your finger wants to push that button. It normally comes through action or your words, huh? And the words are starting to come out, and you've got to go. <laughs> we learn it. You don't get it. It comes slowly. We're changing from one degree of glory to the next. The scripture says now, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And that time we says, and I agree with, where the Spirit of the Lord is Lord, there is freedom. And we'll be transformed from one degree of glory to the next as we contemplate Him. We are busy being changed because He lives within us. Amen. Please don't be hard on yourself. I, um, I, I'm not an angry person. I truly am not. I really, I really, really, I'm going to ask Michelle. But um, because I grew up in a family where kids were to be seen and not heard, my uh, stepfather 
that's, he was just, he was like a, kids were to be seen and not heard. So even sitting around the dining room table, we could not speak. We just had to be quiet. We just had to sit. We couldn't express ourselves. That's just the way it was. So every time you wanted to express something, you couldn't. It came up and you had to push it down. So what I didn't know then, I know now, I just kept suppressing some emotions. I kept suppressing the anger at times. And so the emotions that are suppressed, they got all angry. If you know, but I had to learn to suppress them because I wasn't allowed to. Then I get married, I have kids, and kids can be challenging. Hello? Yeah, let's be honest. They are a gift. They really are. You know, kids grow me more than anything else. My kids grew me more. They grew my character, my kids. They honestly did. They honestly did. Anyway, but occasionally I could feel the kids would do something, and you know, the frustration comes. You know what I'm saying? It was very rarely. Now I'm saved. I'm saved. It's very rarely, and I could feel this. This like, and then there would be an outburst that was not in relationship to what they had done. Parents, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And that happened from time to time in my first one and a half years of my Christian walk. It really did. And I found the Lord say, you need to apologize, Ken. It was over the top. So you've got to go apologize. But about a year and a half later, I was at a Jackie Pullinger meeting, Michelle and I, and we were holding hands after she preached. She called people up, whoever wanted to pray, and we're standing in a circle holding hands. I had my eyes closed, and she started to pray. And as she started to pray, I started to hyperventilate. (gasps) That's what I was doing. And I had my eyes closed. I didn't see her coming towards me, and she hit me on the chest. She hit me. (laughs) She really, she whacked me. She said, be free. And as she said that, I could feel these emotions that had been pressed for years. Just, And from that day to I haven't struggled with it again. It's like God just released me from it. You see, that's the goodness of God. He knows where we all are at, people. And so sometimes we think things trip us, but God's got it. There's a time and a season he's going to deal with that thing. Trust me. Trust me he's going to deal with it. There's a time and a season and a place where you're going to get the victory over it. Because he's brought you to that place. He's brought you to that place where he's going to reveal the victory of who he truly is inside of you. Hallelujah. Amen. And the beauty about, I'm coming to an end because now I'm waffling, sorry. Because when Christ is in you, you can just be yourself. I can still watch the Bears lose on TV and just get joy out of it. Now I'm teasing <laughs> Watch the Redskins lose and again go out. You're with me. I can still enjoy what I enjoy, long as it's not anti-kingdom. It doesn't violate my conscience. Hello? Otherwise, we become too spiritual. Just Christ in you, the hope of glory. Amen. Bless you all. I hope that encouraged you. Okay. Good, eh? Thank you, Ken. You've got a great name. <laughs> All right. Do you have one or two words for some people, if that's okay? Sorry, what is the time? Oh, it's still shining. Great. Hallelujah. <laughs> see, it doesn't go out. Eh? You see, you forget about it even. Hello, Lord. Oh, I'm still here. All right. Okay. <laughs> oh, there, that lady. What is your name again? Jill. I just feel for you, Jill, I feel like... You're coming out of a season of hiddenness. 
I feel like God's saying, I'm bringing you out from like a shadow. Not that there was a shadow in your life or a shadow, but it's like you lived under a shadow for a season. And I feel like you, you weren't seen or you weren't seen like you're going to about be seen, if you understand what I'm saying. It's like pick it and begin to, oh, look what God's doing in that lady's life. Oh, amazing. But while you're in this place of hiddenness, you allowed seasons to God to really work within you. And I want to commend you for that. You allowed him to dig a little deep in some areas. And some of them were not easy. But you allowed him to go in. You allowed him to dig deep. You understand what I'm saying? And I feel like you're coming out of that. I feel like you're coming into the season. Just continue to be you. But it's like all of a sudden people are going to say, Oh, look what God's doing in that lady. Look what God's doing in that lady. Particularly in the area of worship. Where's the other man? The man that stood, yeah. What's his name? Aiden, thank you. You helped me. Where's him and his wife? All right, there you are. Right at the back, eh? Oh, my. Okay, I'm teasing you. I'm teasing you. I'm teasing you. I know. I know. I just feel for you two, I feel like, as I looked at you on Friday or whenever it was, both of you, I felt the scripture like the Lord said, tell them they haven't been this way before. They haven't been this way before. And that's fine. But I feel like some of the stuff he's put within you and the truths that he put within you while you were with Moses, he wants you to continue to carry that. But because you're now coming into a Joshua season in your life, you're going to, you as well as you're going to take others into their promises. And you haven't been this way before, the Lord says. So some of the stuff you learned there will come with you, but there's some new stuff I'm bringing your way to facilitate you taking into the new place. Not only for you, but people that are around you. People in this church, they're going to enter into some of the promises of God because you haven't been this way before. Just to encourage you in that. Because you were faithful in that season as Joshua was faithful to Moses. He sat outside his tent when the glory of the Lord came and everybody went and he sat there and he was faithful and he worked and he plowed and he worked behind the scenes and he worked behind the scenes and he was faithful. And the Lord says, I've seen you faithful, my son. I've seen you faithful, my daughter. And so you're going to bring others into their promises. God's going to use you in the way you are and what you do, particularly in worship. Yes, my wife's got another word. Aidan, I feel with that, um, where are you? There we are. Okay. I just feel with that, I, I saw that um, you've come and there's a sound within you. But God's in the process of um, like m- blending that sound that came with you to the sound that's here over Chicago, but or in this area. And I feel that the sound that's going to come forth the sound, you're going to be writing songs, I'm sure you do, but I just see a sound coming forth that I see that sound and I see it vibrating through the heavens yeah. and I see it actually drawing, drawing people and it's going to become a sound that represents Chicago and a sound that is exactly what is needed to break open the heavens in this place. Good. I really see it as a powerful thing. I think the worship team is going to come into different dimensions, but that sound, that sound that's going to go forth is going to be unique. It's going to be what needs to come forth from this place. 
and it's going to be powerful. It's going to be a breakthrough sound. I feel that this is not pressure for any of your musicians. Just be you. Do what you're going to do. Let the creativity come through you. But I feel like you musicians are like a Jehoshaphat musicians. Where there was a lot of obstacles and Jehoshaphat took it to the Lord and the Lord said, send the musicians out. Send the musicians out. And the victory was won. Amen. You're going to say, how did that happen? The Lord said, it doesn't matter. I did it. I really believe that because there is a sound that is emanating from you people. It's a great sound. It's a good sound. It's wonderful. It really is wonderful. James, you have such a heart to help people. You have such a heart to serve. But I feel like the Lord says, I'm going to give you the ability to be an umbrella for them. An umbrella. So they can live under the shadow of the umbrella that you're going to bring. So there's a spiritual aspect. Because of your heart to serve and because of your heart to help and because of your heart for people and because of who you are, I feel he's going to exalt you in a spirit way of a line, an umbrella to come over people so they can begin to become who they are. So rather than coming from this way, as you want it to do, it's going to come from this way. Amen. Good stuff. Hallelujah. God is good. You feel the atmosphere change, eh? Because Ken's finished waffling and God's in the house. Hallelujah. <laughs> it's fact. Fact. It's what Catherine Coleman did. And she stood on the stage often in her later life. She would just tell the people about what she did over Easter and whatever and the family she went to visit. And she would stop mid-sentence and say, he's here. He's here. And signs and wonders would just break out. But there's somebody sitting here and you don't know Jesus Christ. Are you not sure if you're a child of God? And you want to be sure. Whatever that means to you. You just want to say, Jesus, I want to know for certainty in my heart that I'm a child of God. I just want to know that. I'm just going to ask you to stand. Anybody here? Just stand where you are. You just want to say, I want to know for certainty I'm a child of God. Nobody. Okay, that's fine. The reason why I ask you to stand is because when I married this lady, I let everybody know I love her and she loves me. Well, I know she loves me. I mean, look, but I love her. <laughs> uh, Father, just do what only you can do, I pray. God has such compassion for you people. Just feel the compassion of God over this church. Incredible compassion. Incredible compassion. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. And I feel like some of you have wanted to hide in caves. Like when the enemy came to the Israelites, and they had to hide in the caves and the cliffs of the rock. The enemy came to devastate the crops. And, and I feel like the Lord's saying, my children, I'm going to bring you out from your caves. 
from the places that you wanted to hide. I'm going to draw you out by my love, my perfect love will cast out all fear. I'm going to draw you out. I'm going to draw you out. I'm going to draw you out of your caves, the place where you're hiding. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. So I just don't want to rush it. Is that okay, Steve? I feel like there's some people here, some relationships that are at breaking point. I don't know if it's a marriage or a friendship, deep years of friendship. And I feel like the Father say, I'm going to amend that relationship. I'm going to amend it. Father, mend those relationships, I pray. Thank you. I feel like there's some people, you, you have ulcers, physical ulcers. If you have an ulcer, just put your hand on your stomach. Father, just heal these ulcers now, I ask you, in Jesus' name. Just heal them. And the worry and the anxiety, take it off your people, Father. You do not give us worry. You do not give us anxiety, Father. Lift it off. Lift the burden off some of your people, I pray. In Jesus' name. How many of you are aware you can sense God's in the house? Yeah? So I don't want to move on. I just don't want to move on. Father, I thank you for this church. I thank you for these men, these women, these leaders, the boys, the girls, for the abundance of young people, Lord. Even as I pray that, I feel like the Lord said that is a sign of the young in Christ that are coming. Father, I thank you. I thank you. I thank you for what you're doing here. We thank you. We thank you for what you're doing here. Thank you. Thank you that your light will shine forth from this place. And I thank you, Lord, you will provide what is needed for them to step into what you've called them to. Father, I thank you for the financial provision that will come. Father, I declare now in the name of Jesus the facility will come. Because I know, Lord, it's not about the facility, but it's about what you're doing as a result of where they can be rooted and established. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Bless you, Steve. Thank you, my friend. Thank you, eh? Thank you. Thanks for your patience. Thanks again for listening to the Church in the City podcast. Subscribe on iTunes and visit us at churchinthecity.us.